This is Tiny Huge Decisions, where we listen in as two lifelong friends decide if one will carry a baby for the other. And if you've just jumped in for this episode, you should really go back and start at episode one, because this podcast is a little different. I'm Ruth Barnes, and I've been with Mossen and Dahlia for some of the most intimate conversations you could imagine, taking place over months, years, actually. We've gone from lockdowns to out of lockdowns, between voice memos, video calls and living rooms. That means some jumps in sound quality, but it also means you'll hear how this conversation and this friendship shifts and evolves over time before reaching a final decision. It's a real journey, and the best place to start a journey is the beginning. Okay, here's episode two, Surrogacy, WTF. Do you think that if I had the womb and you didn't, yeah, that I would do it for you? Yeah, 100%. I know you would. And the thing is, obviously, it's easy for me to say this, but I think I probably would. You would? Yeah, but one of the reasons I'd be kind of having your child for you is so I could always say, I had your child for you. You have to be nice to me. But that's the only reason. I literally, when I came around for dinner today, I was like, is Matthew just being nice to me because I might have a child? Does he just have to keep cooking dinner for me? Absolutely. Forever? That's the only reason he did it. Because <laughs> I could exploit this. You could. Okay, I'm recording. You don't want to jump straight in. I don't want to jump straight in. What would you like to talk about? It's been a couple of months since Mossen and Dahlia last spoke about a potential surrogacy. Lockdowns have eased, and now they're together in person, recording themselves in Dahlia's front room over a glass of wine. Last time they spoke, they discussed their hopes and their fears. But as the idea gets more real, they're starting to consider the practicalities. How does this surrogacy thing actually work? Mossen has been doing some research. What does it cost? How long does it take? And the legal implications. As part of this research, Mossen watched a BBC documentary called The Surrogates with his husband, Matthew. The documentary gives an insight into how intended parents in the UK meet potential surrogates. Um, and the way it works is you go to these events and you have to hope that there is a surrogate there or a potential surrogate because you could all turn up and it's just all intended parents. <laughs> and... Generally speaking, the ratio of intended parents to potential surrogates at those events is quite skewed. So you might have like one potential surrogate and then loads of intended parents. Oh. Yeah, and then you have to do this like awkward dance where you pretend that not everybody is basically just trying to talk to the <laughs> intended the, the surrogate. Um, there are like dating um, TV programs like this, aren't there as well? We're now going on a tangent, but like millionaire matchmaker. Or match, have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's not for, you mean just for like, Dating rather than... <laughs> What's dating? Oh, yeah, yeah, But the yeah. principle is the same, like, in the sense that everyone's there for... In a room. In a room, and you can and tell... And the owner's one millionaire. And they have to try and do, like, chit-chat, but actually they're just, so like, funny. trying to find the millionaire. Absolutely. I actually don't know if that's premise exactly. No, 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 I think it's... kind of bit like that. No, I think it's exactly the same. They all go into a room, they know who the millionaire is, and they have to pretend that they're not all trying to talk to the millionaire. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly the same. You'd be quite good at that kind of thing, though. Making yourself known. Schmoozing. At a party. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Yeah, but no, you're right. But the, the, I probably would be all right at it. But it's a bit weird because I don't know. It just feels like you're like competing, and it's and then when you go and say hello, there's like an agenda, you know. And like the person who you're saying hello to knows that. Yeah, maybe it's quite refreshing. Like you actually like you know what you're all there for. There's no there's no hiding. That's true, but it's an overt competition, right? Like you're in a room, 
and you're there with lots of other people and you're trying to... I feel like you thrive in this and you do like competition. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also, there's an app that's just like a Tinder, but it's for people who are looking for like surrogates and sperm and eggs and stuff like that. What's it called? Just a baby. (laughs) So we downloaded it and you have to swipe people. Oh, no. Yeah, it's really awkward. But we've not matched with anyone, which is a real shame. <laughs> That's a shame that no one's matched with you. I'm putting it down to a quirk in the app rather than because no Is this a good time up. to tell a story about your previous experience with apps? No. <laughs> but it's not a good time to tell the story of when I thought Tinder was broken. <laughs> because you weren't getting any matches. <laughs> yeah. And not only did you think they were broken, you emailed them to ask them if there was a problem with the app. <laughs> and, and then they sent me tips on how to improve my profile. <laughs> Um, I think it's really good that you've started this process then. Genuinely, like I didn't want there to be all the pressure on your shoulders because you might decide not to do it. Did you feel excited, like looking through these potential people? Um, no. <laughs> More, I just found it quite daunting. And it's weird because Matthew had the opposite experience. He was just like, he, we watched the Surrogates TV show together and he, it made him really excited because I think it, it made the process less opaque yeah. for him. Whereas for me... I think it just made me a bit anxious because it just helped me identify all of the different hoops that I think we have to jump through in order to get to the point where we might actually be parents. Now, Mossin gets into the technicalities, and it is a little complex because there are big differences in how surrogacy works in different places. Mossin and Dahlia are based in the UK, but Mossin knows other couples who have successfully used a surrogate in the state of California in the US. He's been comparing that overseas option with the system in the UK, going through the pros and cons to see which process would work better. The most common thing to do is to use an agency. And you can do that in the States or in the UK. In California, you're allowed to undertake what's called commercial surrogacy. Whereas in the UK, commercial surrogacy is outlawed. And what What that means is that the surrogate can be recompensed for her time. Um, Now, in the UK, you can pay a surrogate for expenses, but basically that's the biggest difference. The fees in the UK are around, total around £40,000. The US cost is closer to £100,000 or £150,000. And in that fee around 50,000 US dollars goes to the surrogate. So the next big difference is the legal position. In California, intended parents using gestational surrogacy, where the surrogate is implanted with a donated egg, can apply for what's called a pre-birth parentage order. So when the baby is born in California, from the moment it's born, there is certainty that the child is that of the intended parents. They belong to the intended parent and the surrogate doesn't have a right to that that child. But for the UK, as I said, the agreements have no legal force. And what, what that means is that when the child is born, the parent on the birth certificate is the surrogate. So in this case, it would be you. And if you're married, which you are, then it would also be your husband's name on the birth certificate. Yeah. And you then have to, you have six months to apply to court to get a court order which changes that position. Um, But until then, technically and formally, the child is yours and your husband's. And you have the right to refuse 
um, to grant the court order. So you could say, no, I don't, I don't want to give the but child equally, up. you <laughs> could say, we don't want this child anymore. Yeah, I suppose so. I could just be like, oh, you know what, darling, I've changed my mind. Thanks very much. <laughs> even if it's not biologically related to you, by the way. So like, even if the, the child has no biological relation of yours, then you go on the birth certificate and you are responsible. I can't believe you would do that. How would do you, you do that? I mean, I, the only reason I would possibly do that is because <laughs> it would be quite funny to be like, I'm so grateful to you for giving up nine months of your life to carry my child. I've now decided to go to the Bahamas. <laughs> so if you could just hold on to him for another three weeks, that'd be great. Actually, it's crying a bit too much, so I don't think I want to do that at home. Now, this is where you can hear Mossin put his lawyer's hat on. Surrogacy, whether we like it or not, is fundamentally, it's a legal process, right? It's a, it's a biological process, but it's also fundamentally a legal process. And when you look at those things in tandem... There are so there's so much uncertainty with both those things. Like, you know, will the child be okay? It's so interesting for a lawyer to fundamentally the statement fundamentally surrogacy is a legal process. And a biological one. <laughs> I don't mean like but like it's it's both those things. And obviously primarily it's a biological one. Okay, I see that you've called me out. No, I'm just I, gonna no, go no, with no, it. No, 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 no I see that you've called me out. No, 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 you you called me out and you're right to do so. But like I think from For you from from me, obviously, yeah, because I don't have a womb. Oh God, but I'm also, not, like, not I'm even like a social process now. or like an emo- like a um, emotional process. Like, it's just interesting that that's how you word it. It's a legal process. Yeah, I think because I just always look for the things that can go wrong. And so yeah. for me, I think about biologically the things that can go wrong, and I think about legally the things that could go wrong. And um, I think your personality is that you don't let yourself like get excited or never. like feel things until. They're about like to right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, even then, it's like fleeting because then you're worrying about the next. Oh, absolutely. As soon as it's born, I'll be like, oh my God, I'm a dad. And then I'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm a dad. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can imagine you not like fully embracing, like allowing yourself to even maybe visualize the whole like. You, you know what? And I, again, like the complicated thing about this conversation is that I genuinely don't want you to feel any guilt or any emotional kind of uh, blackmail. I feel nothing. Good. Feel <laughs> fine um but like i think one of the reasons why i don't engage with it with like i engage with it with my mind but not with my heart because i think i'm worried that i want it too much Mm -hmm. and that then it will become really hard if we can't have it you know and like i think that's the thing that you know when we're talking earlier about going to these events and having to like sell yourself like it's one thing doing that for I don't know for a job or for <laughs> even for, even like even for like a, a partner. Yeah. But to do it for the one like this thing that you really really want and there's just no way you can have and then to know that all of it all of you're bringing to this conversation with this stranger all of your hopes and dreams around this one thing that could change your life it's just so weird. I guess the thing for me is that when we first started talking about surrogacy and like it, it was me that initiated the conversation, I hadn't had a child yet. Yeah. And that's why I think it's interesting, these conversations about like the legal grey area and the loopholes and well, yeah. not loopholes, but like the idea of like the surrogate actually, like when you really think about it. Yeah. I know it, like to me, it doesn't matter so much about whether a child is biologically related to you because I know what that feeling of like being pregnant with mm. a child is like and I can I can kind of imagine a scenario in which someone would find that very difficult so I guess 
it is more complicated than just saying, oh, well, I'm not biologically related to this being, even though I'm carrying it, so I can let it go. Yeah. But I think we know that, right? That even if it was me that did it, I think yeah. regardless of other people's experience, I think we can probably say yeah. quite assuredly that I would find it Hard. difficult. If surrogacy seems like a good option, definitely yeah. for you, Matthew, apart from all the like practical things about why it might be difficult to do that with somebody yeah. you don't know, yeah. what are like, why would it be good for you or would it be good for you to have it be someone you do know? So it wouldn't just be someone we know, it'd be you. And I think there is a big difference because you, you know, you're the first person I came out to. Um, I just you're like my family. You know, you're not just, okay, yeah, we're not related by blood, but you are like family to me. And I think, because you're going through a scary process, right? When you're going, when your surrogacy is not mm. straightforward, you are having to do something that is one of the most important things you're ever going to do. And you're having to try and do it with a stranger. So I think one of the reasons why having somebody, having you do it, would be different is because it would be less scary and that's not to say that there aren't going to be really difficult things about it but I just feel like even if it goes wrong it's okay because I'm doing it with you don't you think it's a bit weird and a bit risky to like have this conversation knowing that I've got a lot of like reservations and like don't you find it weird of me yeah but it's kind of that's how we've always been like whenever, whenever there's been something between us that, like, either is happening in your life or my life or both, the 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 best the the bits where we come to life as a kind of pair of friends is where we explore these complications and nuances and and talk about why they're complicated and what we each think of them and try and convince the other and. So it's actually way more fun that you're, yes, you've got no idea than if you were like, bit, hey, I'm going to do this. Aren't you a bit like, oh God, like of all the people who could have come forward and offered, it has to be the one who's like the least sure about even wanting to do this in the first place. The great thing about us being able to do this is that I know that we'll always be honest and I would worry with certain other people. Like, I have no doubt that when you're having a shitty time, you are going to tell me yeah. I am having a shitty time. <laughs> like, whereas I think with other people, they might be a bit more polite. <laughs> um, no, I just think like, I, you know, that, that part does work both ways because it requires trust on both sides. Like, okay, yeah, you, you, I have to trust that the person wants to do it. But I also have to trust that when the person is struggling, they're going to be able to just be entirely honest with me. Yeah. And I think what I trust is that even if ultimately the answer is no, that I can have a really honest and thorough conversation with you. As they return to the technicalities of surrogacy, it does seem that Mossen and Dahlia have reached some sort of decision. Essentially, when it comes down to it, like we've ruled out the US thing. Yeah. So your option is definitely UK route. Yeah. And your preference would therefore be for it to be somebody that you know. I mean... For some of those reasons that you were talking about. And also just that emotionally, like, it would be nice to do this with... 
Yeah, and it's weird because obviously we're having this conversation and we're meant to be honest with each other, but I am torn because I don't want you to feel emotionally blackmailed into anything. But I do think I would like... So, okay, yeah, all those things are true, right? Legal uncertainty, biological uncertainty, all that stuff. But fundamentally, I would like it... I'd like to do it with you because I love you and because this is a process that is about family. And to me, even though we're not biologically related, you are my family. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another reason why it just it just feels like it would be safer and then it would be this kind of thing that we had and I, now I'm going to let myself imagine right it would be this thing that we had done together and we would always be able to be like oh my god we did that together although even though you basically did it and I sat yeah, on the sidelines I know I just cajoled you into it with emotional blackmail <laughs> I do like the idea of like sending you expense receipts though <laughs> like at the moment well, that's what's five saying. guys yes. three milkshakes oreo peanut butter chocolate like if i'm really being honest at the moment that's what i'm finding quite like appealing what is sending expensing things yeah to like, but really specific small costs <laughs> <laughs> would we set you up with like a corporate credit card yeah <laughs> when we first broached surrogacy as a kind of hypothetical thing it maybe is quite different to how i feel about the prospect now yeah which is that having gone through pregnancy it was difficult for lots of various reasons which we will obviously talk about but I was there for that and I so I get like, <laughs> yeah but also like just having a child it's not just a pregnancy like just having a child at the end of it who is going to be part of my life regardless that's of, true um genetic relatedness or not like is a complicating factor so yeah. it is the thing that I do think about a lot but then on the other side, like, this is going to sound really cheesy, but like recently over the summer, we went away as a family and we were in Yorkshire and we were just having like a nice time with my husband's family. And there was one evening where the three of us, me, my husband and my daughter went for a walk. So we, I just thought, you know, I'm just going to hang back and I'm going to go and walk around the block so that yeah. they can have some time. In their and then I came back and it was so nice. I felt like I almost like happened upon them, like in this really sweet moment my husband and lying down with her in the fields yeah. playing like throwing up all the like hay and stuff and they were like just looking at the horses and it was just such a cute scene mm. of a father and his child and often in life like life is just busy and you have all these nice moments and stuff but you don't often particularly have time to like or I don't afford myself time to sit back and enjoy just yeah appreciating appreciate something. these like little moments because you're just going to get caught up in other things and it was just really nice having that physical distance and actually standing away from them so that they weren't aware of me, but I could see them. And it was lovely, and it was lovely for that moment, but I also, like, you did cross my mind really? in that moment. And I thought, yeah, I felt I want you to have that as well, like, whatever I was witnessing. Oh, my God, I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> I think so. Don't cry. I'm going to try not to cry. Okay. Well, you can cry if you want. No, no, I'm not going to cry. Do you want some tissues? No, it'll be okay. I wasn't supposed to make you cry. I know, but it's just, you know, because it's so weird, isn't it? Because it's such a simple tale. Like, it's so simple, what you've just said. And yet, and you know how we were talking about earlier about how I don't let myself imagine those things? Yeah. But now that, well, as soon as you said it... No, but now don't imagine it. <laughs> I know. But it's weird because... Yeah, I don't think I can let myself open... I think the reason I get emotional about it is because I don't think I can let myself sit in that field with that imaginary child because I think that's just too 
okay. scary. Bring it up. No, 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 I'm glad you brought it up. But but it's true, but it's true that actually you did come into my mind. I thought, like, again, like, that's, that is something, like, strong between us that mm. means that you somehow also factor into my story or my experience of having my own child. Like, it's just all, it is there, like, in the back of my mind. Always. So I think that's a long-winded way of saying that that is still there. Yeah. Do you think you want any more of your own? No. Definitely Based not. on pre- my experience of being Based pregnant. Based on your experience of being pregnant. But that's what I mean. So that's why it's still this interesting thing. <laughs> but I think, uh, yeah, I think I, as someone who's come from a big family and who's got lots of siblings, I would have never imagined myself saying that. Yeah. And my mother does constantly remind me of how I've always said since I was a child that I want like five, ten children. And now I've decided I don't. Because you don't want to be pregnant again. No, it's not but just here, that. But you're here talking to me about that. getting pregnant again. It isn't again. just that, but I think it's lots of things. Like, I'm old, like, I started having children a lot older than I'd imagined before. Like, I yeah. think there's lots of reasons why. But I think probably for now, my husband and I have decided that I don't think we do want another child. So I is. shouldn't try and hand the child back to you no. if I decide that exactly. I want to go on holiday exactly. and the court order hasn't gone through. Exactly. Okay, fine. Tiny Huge Decisions is a Chalk and Blade production for APM Studios. At Chalk and Blade, the executive producer is Ruth Barnes. The showrunner and story editor is Louise Mountain. And the producer and sound designer is Matt Nielsen, with original music by Ian Chambers. At APM, the executive producer is Erica Krauss. The senior production manager is Nick Ryan. And the executives in charge are Joanne Griffith, Alex Shaffert and Chandra Kavati. With special thanks to Dahlia, Mossin and Matthew. Matthew.